friend, Sid, coming in at the top of the interview. Today I have Dreadlock Dave. Dreadlock Dave is a multi-instrumentalist who plays everything from guitar, piano, drums, bass, uke, saxophone, and plants his flag and camp bass guitar. Bass player for hire. Have bass, will travel. He's the guy that hit up. Dave is a... He's one of those guys that just does so many different things, and I've seen him everywhere. And musically, I've played all these shows, and his bands cross paths. And this has been a really cool conversation to kind of like see his journey and uh, where he got started, and answer some questions of I saw you from that gig. Well, who is that? You know, try to try to piece together some things. This was a real cool talk. Um, Dreadlock Dave is playing Friday, eight p.m. Virtual show CLE. And he's also doing a live stream every Tuesday at 7 p.m. So every Tuesday you can catch Dreadlock Dave as well as virtual shows CLE 8 p.m. this Friday. Um, before we get to the interview, before we get to the interview, if you like what you hear, if you can like, subscribe, or comment or rate on the podcast website, it would help all these artists get heard. And without further ado, Dreadlock Dave. Um, yeah, let me do that. that um, actually, uh, well, uh, there we go. All right. Well, you tell me, dude, if, if the, if the, um, audio is good, then we could just go for it. If not, I could potentially send you like a microphone audio. No, nah, this is fine. I can hear you good. I'm, okay, cool. I'm trying to, my phone's set up in a weird angle. I want to see you too. <laughs> Um, yeah, for the last few of these, I've been doing them over the phone and they sound like they're over the phone, but you can, you know, they're clear and it's, well, there's a light behind me, you know what I mean? It's, it's as good as it can be for an over the phone situation and you're coming in really clear actually. So you're good. Okay, cool. Some of these, uh, some of them I've done, like people are moving all around and stuff and like the audio is wonky, but you're, you're real clear, my friend. Nice. All right, the Zig at the Gig podcast. I'm hanging out here with Dreadlock Dave. How you doing, my friend? I'm I'm doing great. How you doing, brother? Not bad. How's uh how's quarantine been for you? Uh, it's been okay. You know, uh, I'm getting a lot of stuff done in the studio and uh, getting all tours done around the house and all that. Nice, nice. Yeah, it, hasn't, when, it hasn't been bad. When I hit you up initially, you were working on a track. You said, you got yes." It. New solo uh, album in the works? Um, yeah, actually, I'm working on uh, three different albums currently. Nice. Yeah. So uh, one of them is a, is a new Dreadlock Dave uh, collection of tunes. And, uh, and then I'm doing another album, which is co-written by a friend of mine. His name is Jeff Morris, and he's just like a hobbyist guitar player. But yeah. uh, s- several years ago, I demoed. Uh, you know, like 30 of his tunes for him. And uh, he, he, you know, he just strums the guitar and sings, but I, I ended up playing all the other instruments. And anyways, he's been going through a little bit of a rough patch here. And I thought it would be cool for me to, I, I, I well, I dug out all those old demos and uh, presented them to him, you know, to t- try to cheer him up. And then yeah. uh, basically I've been, um, uh, decide, basically I, I, decided I, I took 10 of his tunes and I'm going to rework them. Oh, so it's cool. uh, the Blue Lemon Project as sung by or interpreted by Dreadlock Dave. Oh, that's awesome. I bet he loves it. <clears throat> yeah, so that's a fun little side project. And then um, 
Then the third project I'm working on is a, uh, it's basically, you know, quote unquote, I hate to use the term, but uh, it's a, a handpicked super group of musicians from Cleveland. Yeah. And uh, it's called the Bridge Brothers. Oh, cool. And this is a, uh, a project spearheaded by Ron Silverman, who was the actually the original rhythm guitar player in the James Gang. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, so Okay. Okay. Wow, he, man, uh, that's a cool project. Keep going, keep going. So, it, it, well, yeah, thanks. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it is a super cool project. He uh, he left the James Gang back before they became the famous three piece that everybody knows. But uh, he and then he got out of the music business, and then has only recently, in the past several years, come back in. And this is like a bucket list project. So. He gathered a bunch of tunes and picked a couple of our tunes, uh, the individual musicians in the project. And uh, so we're, we've been putting this together for a couple of years, and we're super excited because it's about to be released nice. here sometime in 2020. 20, who else is in it? Who else is in it? Uh, well, we, our singer is Chad Hoffman, and he's a local uh, singer-songwriter. He does a lot of cover music, you know, restaurant, bar, winery gigs. And then uh, our keyboard player is Ryan Matiska, who uh, used to play with Waterband. He's okay. currently with uh, John Welton. And uh, and then we have a couple studio musicians, uh, a couple surprises that we're okay. going to throw out there. Right. We've uh, <laughs> used a couple different uh, musicians actually from all over the country wow. on this collection of tunes. Um, but, you know, that, that's the, the trio is the hardcore. And then we have a, a couple additional players that we're looking to pick up for, you know, to do local gigs or road gigs or whatever, whatever Sick. comes. That's so yeah, cool, so it's, man. it's I'm super excited just because I've been the engineer and the, and the co-producer. So I've got to wear a couple different hats as well as play the bass tracks on the album. Nice. Well, you wear, yes. in general, you wear a ton of hats all the time. Like you're a multi-instrumentalist and like, but bass is where you hold a bass is your main, or at least what you've claimed to be a your go to, your favorite. Is that right? That's true. Yeah, I, I uh, uh, ba yeah, bass guitar is definitely my favorite instrument. It's 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 my uh, yeah, it's it's my favorite instrument. But yeah, I, I I wear several different hats, play as many different instruments as I possibly can, and that's uh, awesome. Yeah, what, just uh, mix it up. What about the bass? Is what um, what called calls to you was that the the favorite the 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 bass player on call as you say or bass player for call <laughs> yeah bass player for hire <laughs> i'm trying have to ba <laughs> yeah have bass will travel you know what what about what is it about the bass that really stuck out to you more so than everything else cuz i've seen you play guitar and you rip on guitar oh thanks um well i'm 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 a bass player that plays guitar you could you could tell you know, I mean, I could, I could strum some chords, but you know, but yeah, thank you for that. Um, but no, uh, the bass guitar, I, I, I can't even tell you Well, I can tell you why it was, it was Gene Simmons fault <laughs> Sick. Yeah. because I was, a, I was a 10 year old kid and I'm like, what's this? And actually, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit too young to be in the abs absolute heyday of kiss. Yeah. I missed it by just a few years, but um, I was 10 years old, and a friend of mine's older brother said, ah, Kiss isn't cool anymore. 
and he gave me all of his Kiss records. Whoa. <laughs> so I um, I still have all that vinyl, that original yeah. vinyl that I got nice. all those years ago, but it was like, what is that instrument that I'm hearing that's, you know, growling and so <laughs> low? And and uh, I, I initially I wanted to be a drummer. Yeah. But uh, mom and dad wouldn't go for that. And uh, so I ended up playing saxophone. Hmm. That was my second choice. Yeah. But right around that same period... Uh, is when I, I got introduced to Kiss, and and then I, I wanted a bass guitar, and uh, it was a few years later that I actually got one, a okay. rental for nice. Christmas. Was it know? an electric bass, or were you uh, doing the big band bass, the upright bass, when you started? No, I, I played. I stayed with saxophone, you know, through uh, my junior high and, and yeah. high school, and then I, I switched to sousaphone. Okay. Uh, in the high school marching band. But um, I never got into the upright or, you know, like classical or uh, jazz playing until I went to college. So my first bass guitar was a it was a court <laughs> rental, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for a cheap hundred dollar, nice. you know, bass guitar. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was it was awesome because it was under the Christmas tree one year you yeah. know, when I was like oh, 13 sick. years old. Oh man, dun 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 dun. There's some sick bass lines out of Kiss, man. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, Gene's fairly creative. He was a big, you know, Paul McCartney guy. So you got to, you know, he's not a, by any stretch of the imagination. The guy's not a, a, a proficient uh, bass player. Yeah, he's no Jaco, but exactly right. <laughs> but uh, he he wrote some cool bass lines, and he's a hell of a marketing genius and for sure, uh, for sure you know what a cool gig man <laughs> definitely definitely enough to make a 13 year old be like that's cool <laughs> for sure. exactly that's sick man um your your parents were pretty musical too right yeah but both uh both my you know my mom was uh they were both in the church choir growing up but my dad um he's been singing barbershop music since he was 13 years old oh, that's awesome so uh, as a kid, I heard basically nothing, but it was either Indians baseball game, you know, on the radio, or it was barbershop music going <laughs> in the house. Man, that had to lay down a decent ground of harmony, or at least understanding of it for you. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's four-part acapella harmony, uh, you know, so it's like I, I got, uh, I was definitely influenced by that, and my my sense of harmony, I think, is is uh was developed pretty early yeah. and accurately just by hearing that music you know i was i wasn't really into it it's like ah <laughs> yeah. oh, dad's music again yeah, you know kiss on the bass <laughs> <Dad's> <laughs> right singing the bass part boom, boom. <laughs> exactly what do you sing what what was his role in the in the quartet uh he he's he's a ten, he was a tenor voice okay. okay for years and years so he's um uh he's 76 years old now and yeah. still uh, still directing. Awesome. Uh, he celebrated a, a couple years ago his 60th year uh, directing Barbershop Chorus. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man. That's insane. That's really cool. Yeah. That's like the thing about an a cappella group, just even the sing harmonies within a group of guys where they all have guitars and they're all doing their own bit, even just to sing the melody line like a third up, it's tricky, man. It's hard to do like two things. It's hard to like listen and sing up for me harmonies like i love harmonies and like i dove into them and like try to figure out how they all work and like study music theory in college and kind of got a crash course in that 
But the act of like understanding and doing for me has been super hard. So like to see someone or hear, <laughs> see someone do a barbershop quartet where they're with four guys with nothing but their voices, and they're able to keep in mind where they are pitch wise, and play off where someone else is pitch wise. That's hard, man. <laughs> like yeah, that's tricky stuff. Some of those, the inner lines, you know, like the the lead part is what you hear. That's is predominantly the melody. Yeah. But some of those inner lines, uh, to you know, because it's a lot, it's a lot of seventh chords. Yeah. Is yeah, what yeah. they're they're forming. It's a seventh chord after a seventh chord after a seventh <laughs> chord. You know, and it's so you you have this melody, and in order to maintain that and make it sound. Um, that, bar, you know, the barbershop way, some of those inner lines are just very interesting and are, are you know, they're not very intuitive. So you yeah. really have to concentrate and, and uh, know where your part is in that, in that structure and that harmony. Definitely. Like that, se- even just harmonizing a four part line with the seventh involved in the chord, like there's certain melodic tendencies where the seventh has to go down or has to stay where it is. So it's a tricky, that's a tricky racket for sure. Even though, yeah. <laughs> even though it just sounds like a boom, you know what I mean? That's some tough stuff. Wow. It, it really is. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's its own barbershop has its own kind of musical theory. It's not, it's it, you, I mean, um, or just, you know, the way the voices move, you know? Yeah. So like, uh, and it's been years since I studied, you know, classical theory in college, but, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's just strange because it's, you know, one seventh chord after another seventh chord. It, it really, it's just a chord, a chord, a chord, a chord based yeah. on the melody. It's, it's, it's really a, interesting music. That's cool. So growing up around that will definitely uh, expand your mind to those type of harmonies and how those work. Just even being around it. I think you even in growing up around a certain type of music, you just naturally pick it up a little bit. Like it just yeah. starts to linger and, in the, in like the, hold on. Can you hear me? All right. Let me see if I, Oh yeah, okay, I, I can, okay. I can. It's, but it's uh it's a little low on my end, but it's cool. Okay. So gonna... if you're looking at my ear, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's good. I just want to make sure. Cause I, I know I can crank it, but then I would mess up my audio of you. Um, but <laughs> being around growing up around a certain type of music, you just kind of naturally pick up those tendencies. Um, you said saxophone was your second instrument. Well, uh, you know, technically I, I played piano at, at f- age five. Um, I had a little ukulele too, that I would strum on. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, uh, saxo- saxophone was my instrument that I picked up, you know, in fifth grade in the, yeah. in the school band program. Okay. Okay. So you started on keys in the, in uke. Well, maybe that makes sense why bass stuck out to you. Uke's four strings. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. I'm not sure. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, that was my first like actual instrument. I don't know where that came from or where it went, but there's, I have a picture of myself with it. Um, and I was actually holding it left-handed, even though I'm a right-handed player, <laughs> but well, I mean, you're five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fact that you're picking up an instrument at five is pretty cool. Did you have yeah. uh, any siblings that played music too? Uh, yeah, I have one brother, a younger brother, and uh, he he played a little bit, but he really never got into it. He uh, 
he did some uh he was a drummer for a little while okay but uh he never joined like the band program or the choir program and didn't really follow through but i, I do have a a couple early recordings of myself jamming with my brother oh that's awesome so that was that was cool was it yeah there's definitely a, a commitment from going to like a um to like the education route of music like going through a choir or a band um program it's like a, it's a different mindset almost yeah absolutely so you went to a i think you said you went to uh akron or no no yeah yeah yep okay yeah i, I went to college I, I grew up on the west side of cleveland i went i graduated from olmstead falls oh no and, way uh, me too is that right yeah well you're <laughs> bulldog man <laughs> you got it man yeah. do you remember cool. um do you remember oh what was the math teacher there was this one math teacher who was just a crabby dude uh uh lanning do you remember that cat? I do remember ah. Lanny. Oh, yes. man. No, I, I, I never had him, but, yeah, I, I do remember him. Oh, man, that guy was grumpy. <laughs> well, that's you know, crazy. I mean, that's, that's uh, it's a, uh, you know, to be a teacher, a public school teacher, I mean, holy, you know, just uh, underpaid and underappreciated, man. Definitely, for sure. You know, so I don't know if that was that guy's problem, but <laughs> who knows? I just remember I just, <laughs> it was almost like a, the, the grumpy old dude, where it wasn't like he was. I mean, he was pretty mean, but like it was almost comical at a point where you're like, ah, okay, <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> That's right wild, on. man. Did you have a who was the who was the choir teacher at that point? Was it? Um, I'm trying to remember who I had. I think it was Miss Carol. Uh, I can't remember. Well. Uh, the choir teacher, I think his name was uh, Rabel. Rabel, yep, I didn't and have he, him. Yeah, he retired like shortly after I graduated a, okay. a long time ago. So, um, but yeah, it was uh, probably Mrs. Crandall. Yeah, Crandall, that's what it was. Yes. Okay, yeah, I had Crandall. I had well, Crandall. she was, yeah, so she was my choir teacher in like elementary or junior high. Oh, okay. So, and then she eventually moved to the high school, I believe. That's where that's I had her in high school. And crazy, I, man. Dude, that's such a small world. That's crazy. I didn't know you were from Olmstead. Nice. Yeah. Do you still, well, live, yeah. do you still live out that way? Or where you no, I, I live on the opposite side of the world oh, okay. out, out in, in Manaway. But it's it's funny because uh, my daughter went to the high school out here, and we're just, just beyond Aurora near Hiram. Yeah. But uh, the high school here... To, like when I would walk in there it would totally remind me of the high school in Olmstead Falls, nice. you know, just like, and Olmstead Falls has grown a lot since I graduated. But when I was in high school, it was like, it was like where the city meets the country, you know, there yeah. were still farmers out there and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, it was a cool place to grow up. It was, it was a great experience as far as, you know, being in a public school. Yeah. That's awesome. For me. Yeah. I, I agree. I had a good I had a good experience in Olmstead, and like I, I agree with like that weird. It's almost like you're like not too far to the city, right? And you're far enough away. Like, yeah. like So it's a good way to be able to like, all right, I'm gonna take a 20 minute drive, 25 minute drive to Cleveland, be able to go do all that stuff, and you can get back late, and like it's not that late. You're not driving hours or whatever, and you're far, yeah. you're, you're far enough away to like. If you don't want to go anywhere and be bugged, then you can have that kind of like uh, seclusion. You can. That's a absolutely. Me and my girlfriend have that conversation all the time. She's like, "I like the country." I'm like, "I like the halfway to the country, halfway to the city." <laughs> yeah, man. 
Yeah, well, I mean, still, like, in Olmsted Falls or out here where I live in Manaway, it's, uh, I mean, it's it's that way, basically. Yeah. You know, once you, if you're in the suburbs of Cleveland, I mean, you could be downtown in the hustle bustle in, in 20, 20 minutes or so, and, and then on the opposite end, you could be out in the middle of nowhere in the, in the country, you know, uh, it's, I love, I love Northeast Ohio. I've been fortunate to travel a lot of different places and I, I can never leave here, you know, permanently. That's awesome. It's kind of like a a segue you can get anywhere. Where have you traveled? Uh, I've, I've actually, um, traveled to 49 States. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been all over except for Hawaii. That one's a little um, tough to get to. <laughs> yeah, it's my only. It's on my bucket list. Um, but then I've uh, I've been to, to Europe several times, uh, oh. South America once, and you know I've cool. done Mexico and Canada. But uh, traveling in Europe and and playing music was super cool. Now, with all those travels, has it been tied with like gigs, or is it just a, or has it been most of them? Um, it's half and half. Like, nice. uh, I was fortunate to travel just, uh, as a kid a lot, oh, cool, um, cool. with the family and, um, and then, you know, the, the other half has been playing music. I've uh, been all over the country playing music and in, as I said, in Europe and South America. That's so cool, man. What, um, what outlet was that? Like, I know you... Just like how you play all these instruments and wear all these hats with producer and, re- like, you play in a bunch of different projects as well. Like, I tried, to find a, I tried to find a list of all the projects you play with, and I know of a few just from knowing you, but I couldn't find, like, a clear list. But I've seen right a bunch of different things. What yeah. projects did you uh, go to Europe and um, South America yeah, that that was a project called the Answer Generation, and it was a uh, like a positive, uh, you know, um, Christian based rock band um, that I was involved with for several years, and uh, I kind of got roped into the gig, but yeah. it was uh, it ended up allowing me to travel, you know, many different places. And uh, and play with some fantastic, top-notch, world-class musicians. Wow! Were you bass? Uh, yeah, I played bass on those gigs. Wow, man! How did you get, how they rope you in there? <laughs> <I>, um, <laughs> you know, it was funny. It was really funny because you know I'm a spiritual guy. I don't, but I'm not definitely not affiliated with any any specific yeah. religion. And there was a time <clears throat> where this was years ago, a decade ago or so where the gigs were just slowing down or a couple projects ended. And I, I was just like, you know, I'm going to look at the, at the Craigslist and see what's going on. And there was someone in, an, in the neighborhood over here that uh, or close by on my side of town. And they were like, hey, a Christian band looking for a bass player. I'm like, well, you know, what the hell? <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and uh, see what's up with the, you know, it was, yeah. it, just because it was so close by and, you know, I, and so anyways, it ended up working out. I ended yeah. up hitting it off with the producer and, um, it just, uh, kind of snowballed from there. And I've, I've done many, di- many different gigs with that group of people over the years. So it's, it's been interesting to see, to say the least. Wow. That's awesome. I think, I think that's important. I think it's important to be able to, as a musician, to be able to fit in any, any place that you're needed. If it's on bass, if it's on guitar, if it's singing, it was almost like the to really make this work as a career type 
uh, mindset, you got to be able to flex and bend into any musical outlet you can. And I think you do an excellent job at that. And you've always been on it. Like I, re- I ran into you at that uh, that meeting at the Bop Stop, and you're all over, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, being a, I mean, really, that's what it takes. I mean, I've been I've been lucky. It's a lot of luck, but it is definitely a lot of persistence and and hard work to be a. You know, I'm I'm almost I'm approaching 30 years being a self-employed musician in Northeast Ohio. Nice, nice. And um, so, but yeah, it's you know you gotta you gotta wear a diff, a lot of different hats, but um, more importantly, on your you know specific chosen instrument or instruments, you get you gotta be proficient. And the more um, you know different vehicles that you're you can find, you know put, plug yourself into, the more success you're gonna find. And uh, more importantly than that, it's it's really all about the hang. Being able to hang? Being, well, just being able to hang, man. Like, because yeah. if you're an asshole, you, oh, you're yeah. not, yeah, yeah, that yeah. gig's not going to stick around for too long. <laughs> for sure, you know, for it, sure. <laughs> like, and I, you, you may have heard uh, other musicians, you know, in, in the past, I mean, uh, like famous musicians talk about, you know, they'd rather have... Uh, someone who's a little less proficient on their instrument that's super cool to hang out with. Definitely. You know? <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a balance, but it, um, yeah, you know, you just gotta uh, persist and, uh, and do the best you can. Was there a, a lesson that, or situ- a teaching moment where you're like, that came up, not the hang part, but like the being able to be flexible. Was it like a, because just from the beginning, you've started on uke and piano, and you went to study jazz. You played sax, so you you've hit both kind of like the educated route with multiple instruments, like bouncing from string to a uh, to brass. But was there like a lesson right, like maybe like when you were taking music serious, that was like I have to be able to adapt to any type of situation that stuck out to you, or is it just a mindset you kind of went into music knowing? Yeah, I, I can't really say maybe pinpoint a specific moment where I, I came to that realization. I think it's probably more like I just began to understand that over time. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, one of my hobbies, of course, probably all of our hobbies as musicians are watching interviews and reading autobiographies and, you know, just checking out the story of, of musicians who, you know, were influenced by. But uh so I think it was a combination of that, just realizing that, you know, if I can read, you know, a bass piece, I could play, you know, anywhere that uh, that would require that. But also like being, you know, studying different genres of music and, uh, you know, also my I've been teaching now for almost 30 years private, you know, specifically yeah. bass lessons, but I've taught also woodwinds and theory and, and nice. different, uh, other different, you know, private instruction. But, uh, I think just, you know, um, trying to help a student find their way, um, and utilize their specific skill set, you know, like what, what they're naturally talented at, even though it may be the same instrument, two different students, you know, approach it completely different just because of their natural talent. So 
I've always tried to encourage and direct that um, natural talent that someone may have so they can, you know, uh, further progress on their instruments where as opposed to, you know, like teaching a certain uh, through a certain system. It's kind of like an ebb and flow and find your find your spot, which is kind of like the same thing when you're, you know, trying to um, widen your girth as a musician, you know, and your 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 experiences and and the the types of music and the people you play with. Definitely, I agree. I think every every person approaches everything different. And like, the more you dive into one instrument, you're like, well, Victor plays like this on bass, and Jaco plays like that. But then Flea's playing like this, and everyone's gonna hear and understand certain things better and execute those lines or rhythms or melodies easier than someone else's like yeah uh, i'm a i'm a music teacher i teach at um a school for kids with autism i do an adapted music course so awesome um, before uh before i called you i was working on since the quarantine thing so we're doing all virtual stuff and i've been re-recording lessons and like um doing a since i don't i can't get instruments to them um we've been learning uh, like about music from around the world which is something i like to do anyway so yeah. kind of, I was already had this curriculum for myself. I'm like, all right, I'm not doing anything. I've set up this schedule. I'm gonna study some flamenco, study some some Brazilian guitar, study some uh, you know, and try yeah. to figure out just little things that click and see how things work. And that to me, that gets me super amped up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I learned how to make a chorus out of my guitar. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. And uh, thanks for uh, teaching those young kids. Likewise, man, you're doing it. We're both doing it. <laughs> right on, bro. Right on. So you uh, you studied jazz, right? Yeah, I uh, I went through the jazz program at the University of Akron. Uh, I didn't graduate, but, but you, you went I, through I, it, I, man. I, I went through it, and then I uh, I took a a year also in my early twenties. Uh, I did the jazz program at Tri C. Okay, cool. Cogman Community College here in Cleveland. Nice. That's a good program. Did you study it's with the? Okay. Sorry, did you study with a uh, Frazier? Uh, no, I, I know ah. Bob. But, okay, yeah, uh, Bob's a man. Yeah, um, it was. They st- first of all, it is a fantastic program down there. Um, it, it's it's to me. I, I'm I don't understand why that place isn't buzzing twenty four seven because there's a right down on thirtieth uh, and Woodland in downtown Cleveland. It's a world class uh, production studio down there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fantastic, but their music program specifically is a feeder program into Berkeley Conservatory of Music in Boston. So you can go and do two years and then enter as a junior in Berkeley and you're going to pay, you know, uh, um, just like pennies on the dollar for your first two years by doing it at Tri-C. And the the staff there is is world class. When I was there, Ernie Krivda was heading up the... uh, the program, and um, I took piano lessons with Joe Hunter, who wow. was just you yeah, know yeah. fantastic. Um, at the time, there wasn't an in-house bass teacher, so they were actually bringing in Ralph Armstrong from Detroit, and oh. Ralph Armstrong um, currently is with the Funk Brothers, which is the whole Motown yeah. gang. 
Um, and he's he played with the Mahavishnu Orchestra. He toured with Frank Zappa, John Lupani, and uh, this guy would come in, drive in from Detroit <laughs> to give like a half a dozen of us bass lessons. And uh, it was it was just yeah, it was but it was super cool. I mean, yeah. this cat has played with my heroes, you know, and uh, so it was it was an interesting semester uh, to say the least. That's insane. That's super cool. Did he have crazy stories? He's like, yeah, one time I was hanging out with Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he shared he shared a few crazy stories with me. So was it? I think I think there's a certain merit to someone who teaches in any capacity. Like I, for me, I feel like I got I can't just teach music. I got to be doing it. I got to be playing it. I got to be learning it. If I would just teach it. I feel like there's a merit that's not there. And it sounds like someone like that guy, he's been through it and he's still teaching, you know? So I think that's yeah. a, I think that maybe, a, maybe that's a, a thing I'm not just thinking about, but that's insane. What a cool, what a cool, like, <laughs> man, what a cool guy to get lessons from. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience. So I'm, I, and actually then I ended up teaching at Tri-C. Uh, I just finished up my 10th year. No uh, teaching, I teach one one class a, awesome. a week. Yeah, but it's the the vintage rock band class. Oh, cool! And uh, yeah, it's super cool because um, it's basically comprised of students who have never played in a band or always wanted to play in a band, or maybe they played in the band when they were you know a fifteen year old yeah. kid. And the average age overall in the last ten years has been about 60 to 65 years old. Nice. So it's basically rock school for ad adults or like a weekend warrior program, you know. Oh, that's um, cool. But we, we meet every Tuesday. Um, of course, we're on hiatus right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, we meet every Tuesday down there at the Metro campus and uh, super cool. Uh, uh, just great to be with these people and these students and uh, – like, you know, we're learning classic rock tunes or blues jams or whatever. And and then some of the students have actually started to write their own original material after being in the class for a couple nice. semesters. That's so awesome. it's super cool. And then we get to utilize the recording studio down there as well. So uh, it's like a world-class studio and uh, these these folks coming in, playing their demos. And uh, it's, just a, it's just a great time. That's all. There's something around being like someone doing it for the first time being so amped up and so nervous, you know what I mean? That's so cool. Oh yeah. And I think that, I think in turn that keeps it fresh and exciting for you as the teacher, because you always get to experience how exciting it is and live in that moment. That's awesome. No doubt. No doubt. It's part of my, uh, part of the reason why I teach and why I love to teach is exactly that. It, I mean, it, it keeps, it keeps you young and fresh in a way because you do see that spark and that spark, number one, could come from, like, uh, if I'm teaching a 15-year-old bass student and he brings in, like, this music that he's so pumped up on that, like, I've never heard of before, you know? It's like a brand-new thing for me. So I get to see, you know, this kid pumped up and... Um, <laughs> and then and then it works the same way when, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I'll never forget, I again, it was this 15-year-old kid comes in, I... And he says to me, I want to learn every Pink Floyd bass line that was ever recorded. Oh, so nice. it's like, you know, it's like this kid who's just starting out and he's so pumped up 
about this music that I'm familiar with. Awesome. And like, it's like almost reliving that excitement over again. So it's, uh, I don't know the, uh, teaching in a way is, is like a fountain of youth. Well said, well said. Um, when did the band start? Like, when did you start playing in original projects and stuff? So like, uh, through what were you playing in high school? Were you playing in some Olmstead bands? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I, nice. I, 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 my first paid gig was with a, uh, a garage band, my first band in Olmstead Falls. Nice. Uh, we had a, our debut performance uh, at the North Olmstead Rec Center <laughs> back <laughs> in '84. Yeah. Wow, cool. What was the project? Yeah. Anything that lived on, or was it just? Well, what's really funny is that, okay, we we played that one gig. You know, we it was probably a summer worth of, you know, rehearsing in our friend's uh, parents' basement. And then we played the one gig, and then we broke up. And we, <laughs> we, we like, fell apart. And it was um, 20, I think 27 years later, Whoa. the band got back together and played our second gig. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, uh, we've, awesome. we've been in contact for the last several, several years. And, uh, we, we, we've been trying to do an annual show every year, whether it's at its corner bar or whatever, just to get together. But it's, uh, That's awesome. uh the name of the band was paradox paradox. Was just... No way. Oh, <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> so, as generic as that name is. Yes. Yeah. But it, it, <laughs> The reason that's so awesome is the second band I played in was fronted by this girl, my girlfriend in high school, and um, she named the band Paradox (laughs) (laughs) at Olmstead Falls, and we played the talent show or some shit. Uh, That's that's great, dude. Well, I think anybody who's like been in a rock band has been in a band or knows someone who's been in a band named Paradox. Yeah, yeah. That's that's so awesome. Oh, cool. Uh, what was yeah, the so. what was the first project when you really started to take music seriously that really kind of started picked up first original project that you were in that really started to do well? Well, that was Paradox, man. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I, I mean, that was my I, my first paid gig. I think yeah, I made, that's pretty well. Yeah, you're doing pretty. You know, good I think point. I made fifty bucks. You know, <laughs> nice. and that wasn't for the whole band, man. I think we almost made like two hundred dollars our first gig. <laughs> and yeah, right. And um, we actually had our demo tape um, played on. The Bill Peters Metal on Metal show. Oh, nice. On w- yeah, I was I was in the marching band, and I couldn't go down to the station because it was a Friday night. Of course, yeah. I was marching sousaphone in the, in the football game. So my guitar player and my singer drove down to John Carroll, which was a hike back, yeah. you know, coming from Olmstead Falls. Sure. As you know, I think I lent him my my five hundred dollar piece of shit car to go down there, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, but they dropped the tape off to Bill Peters, and sure enough, he played that thing on the radio. Sick. That's yeah, awesome. so it was, that was super cool. And, I mean, really, I mean, I was serious from day one, you know, with, yeah. with my first rock band. I mean, I, I thought I, in my head, I was auditioning for Kiss, you know? So it was like, I was serious right out of the gate. But, um, you know, um I had a few different bands, you know, each one, each one of my 
original projects over the year got at least a little bit of traction. You know, we had some, we always got out of the basement. We uh, always had some cool gigs and, and actually made a little bit of money. Nice. I think getting so, out of the basement is the big part. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Set together, getting into the scene. Like it's a, it's right. a big deal. You know, and it was, it was different. Uh, you know, it was a little different. I think it, I think it's a healthier scene today. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's more, perhaps more segmented and, you know, I mean, there's just so many different things going on and things that people can do, but I mean, I'm just blown away by the uh, talent of younger people and, you know, the information that's out there. It's really, I mean, there's so much information. It's pretty easy to put a band together, you know, and it's like. You can find all the information and, and you can record. If you got an iPhone, you can record yourself. You got a studio in your hand. And, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, a, I think it's a fertile atmosphere for music and original music, uh, specifically in Cleveland. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I definitely agree. I think uh, this whole situation we we are in now would be a lot more... Uh, um, I don't know what the word would be, uh, without the internet, a lot more shitty <laughs> Oh, <laughs> without yeah, like man. being able to jump in the basement, turn on the computer and track a record or, you know what I mean? Being able to hop on the phone, uh, pull up the app and record a record and send it to your friend. And like the amount of access everyone has at their will has to make this scene more or has to just make a scene in general, more connective and more like at least understood, maybe. But I think that, that that's sorry. I don't mean to cut no, you. No, off, no, <laughs> okay. yeah, no, no. I, I I absolutely agree. It's uh, back in the day. I mean, um, twenty years ago. You know, I I was got on my first computer and and put my first original music up on MySpace. Nice. And um, so and almost immediately, what I recognized was the fact that some some person. Um, commented, you know, like, hey, man, I really love your tunes. Um, and I've tracked the person down, at least where they were contacting me from. And it was some, like, war-torn country. Whoa. I don't know if it was in the Middle East or, or where it was, but I'm I'm imagining, like, you know, burnout buildings and tanks rolling down the street. And he's, like, listening to my music, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, through the World Wide Web, which was, you know, I mean, just incredible to me. And it really kind of fostered my belief that, you know, the, the Internet is is really just it's connecting people, as you said. It's it's um, more so, you know, now than ever before in history, people all over the world of like minds are gathering together. And I feel like, you know, I'm an optimist, but the uh, the the whole the the majority the great majority of humanity is wants the same thing and are good people. And, uh, so I just think that, you know, we're at a dawn of this incredible age and, uh, it's super exciting to me. Well said. I agree. I agree. Definitely. I'm a, I agree with the optimist uh, outlook. I think it's a lot better way to look at things. It's a biological, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Benefit, uh, uh, <laughs> To be able to look at stuff in a positive way makes everything way more, way more exciting. And uh, yeah, 
Oh, yeah, well, you got to know the negative to know the positive, but you know definitely. what I mean? It's like, I, uh, yeah, I, I choose positivity. <laughs> well, definitely, definitely. Balance is key in everything. Sorry. Yes, sir. Jump for a second. Um, when, when did, when I first saw you play, I believe it was in the Sly Fox with the water band. When did the water band come around? Uh, water band. Huh? I don't, did we play? May, I don't know if we ever actually played the Sly Fox as water band, but it may um, have been, it may have been you and they're like, this is dreadlock Dave from the water band. And like, uh, in my mind, I memorized it as dreadlock Dave and the water. Yeah. I mean, I could have. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I used to do a, um, a jam night over there. So, um, yeah, yeah. The Wednesday I was like, yeah, the, the Wednesday I would, I would be a best, uh, guest bass player at points. And, um, so maybe that was I don't know if that was this the that night, but anyways, uh, the um, water band started um, right around two thousand, and uh, we went. Uh, we had a good run for about um, five years, and then um, the original my partner decided to take a leave of absence, okay. and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so we split, and then we did um, another run between uh, 2008 and 2012, where we were uh, we were really pumping it up. I mean, we became basically kind of like a, the house band at Nelson Ledges Quarry Park, yep. and uh, we were doing a lot of touring um, East Coast and Midwest, you know, all over the jam band circuit, and so kind of really pumped it up there and then we uh we stopped playing in 2012 again uh, uh we just you know decided to split and um then uh back in november here this uh this last year in 2019 we did a reunion show at the uh, beachland ballroom which we we sold the place out which was nice. incredibly awesome and uh just so cool to see a lot of old fans and and even some new fans after not playing for like seven years. Yeah, it's interesting how like when you record something and if the scene is prominent enough and you put it out, how this kind of if you let it wait and it, I guess in the pun waters it and like starts to grow this whole like new scene and sprout all these new like fans and roots out of something that may have been what you thought left dormant, but like has been picked up by so many. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of grown, um, just organically. I mean, that's the way it's always been. But, um, even since, you know, I, I maintain the, the water band Facebook, page and we've just continued to gain fans That's awesome. just year after year um you know so it's it's really strange how that works the jam band seen something different man I'll tell you they like once you get involved and once people start digging it and start showing up the stuff they they latch on in a good way yeah it's it it's a strong like family vibe you know which is comes from that whole deadhead scene you yeah. know it's that's J jerry and the grateful dead are kind of the the pinnacle of that whole scene and it's uh that vibe is has definitely carried on was it when you guys uh, would tour it was it the same experience in other states yeah absolutely i mean oh, it hold was on one second it, hold on i don't know that peaked all right so yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah absolutely it's it's the same kind of vibe i mean and uh, again it was always like 
you know, there's, it's a tie dye scene, man. You know, it's, it's, uh, that's where, uh, those people are at. And, um, you know, there, of course there's a lot of variance and the jam band scene has grown and the diversity within the jam band scene now is fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's always got that, you know, hippie vibe. For sure. What was it? Was it, it was more, uh, before, would you say it was more kind of seclusive in a way where it was like, how has it grown? That's a, um, oh, you mean the jam band scene? Yeah. Yeah. Like, has it yeah, grown well, just band like, wise or, um, music wise? I think music wise, just the, 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 you know, the different genres that are now, I mean, there, and there's all this cross pollination between, you know, um, I mean, you got like on one end bluegrass and, you know, that style of music and that runs all the way through and the Grateful Dead is somewhere in the middle, you know, and then yeah. and then you move to the other side and you're getting into like ambient and fusion and, you know, like just crazy, you know, skill yeah. level stuff. Not that the bluegrass is the opposite of that, but it's um, the same thing, just different, different tones. Yeah. <laughs> but just all these different genres, uh, that are out there. Um, oh, that's cool. And you know, it's, it's super cool. Cause you, I mean, years ago it was when, when we first started, it was all like grateful dead type bands at these gotcha. festivals. Okay. That makes sense you, then. You know, it, yeah. so it, it seemed like that just kept growing and growing. And, and then you had things like Bonnaroo and, you know, it would just cross pollinate. and They'd bring all these, you know, just a huge variety of entertainment and acts in, which I think is super cool. No, I agree. I think it's awesome. Everyone's everyone's music's got room to grow and should be able to fill any stage. Yeah, right. When did I... And the, the, the uh, jam band scene, is it? They, they seem to be more open, you know, hundred percent. I agree. It's like they'll listen to bluegrass or, or they'll listen to some ambience or they'll, you know, even pushing the boundaries of heavy metal, you know, in that, in that scene. Definitely like bands like clutch and like, <laughs> like it's weird. Jam, oh yeah. Jam bands, uh, the crowd and like the bands that fall into it are so vast. It's almost like, uh, to label the band itself, if they don't fall under the category jam band would be hard. If that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know what you would call a clutch or I don't, uh, not that I don't know if they fall into that category, but they jam and they're heavy. <laughs> like, yeah, no, they totally jam. I'm, I'm a fan, man. Nice. Um, likewise. Yeah. Um, when did stoned and beautiful come along? Cause I remember the first gig I, we played, I, I think I played a bass. I was playing bass. <laughs> I kind of, I totally get the mindset of jumping from any instrument and being able to fit in any group. Because for me, I was, all, I was all hip to the the Bruce Lee philosophy of the be like water, right? So I guess that's right, been, right on. Like, that's been my kind of mindset within approaching music. And I think the first gig we played together was I was playing in a band called The Few and the Far, which became Hamilton Handshake. And okay. we, it was stoned and beautiful, and we played at this place in Akron that was like a metal bar. I can't remember the name of the spot. Um it was like the place oh. had a bunch of metal, like in the venue. I don't know if it was a metal bar. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the. Um, uh, well, y- yes, you know the it. The Empire. 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 Yes. And I remember that was the first time I saw you guys, and then we played and like, but your name was always floating around, and um, my band. I played in a band called Sea Level. And, yeah. Uh, Wanyama, I forget something, yes. or maybe I've seen you play with Wanyama at some point as Stoned and Beautiful. And we were trying to get on it. 
I can't remember. But yeah. Did, did you guys, I mean, I think sea level was, you guys were potentially on a water fest bill. How, how, how far does that go back? Um, sea level, me and Cody have been doing that since like 2009, no, with 10, 2010. So that could have been, I definitely probably sent you stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like sea level, like letter C, right? Yep. Letter C dash. Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. I, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I try to keep my ear to the ground on, on, you know, the Northeast Ohio scene, of course, but, um, and you do, so yeah, I'm familiar with the band and uh, I think, I think, yeah. Well, so yeah, anyways, uh, interesting, but, uh, yeah, Stone and Beautiful, uh, came <laughs> out of water band. Um, the, the, we, our, our last guitar player in water band is Josh Laird and Josh Laird is the singer songwriter of, uh, in Stone and Beautiful. And, uh, we actually, Josh and I hit it off. Um, I mean, he came from the, uh, Jimi Hendrix school, yeah, you know, and uh, like a lot of guitar players do, but he was really hot on that at the time. And um, I've always wanted to do like a Jimi Hendrix style tribute. Actually, I came up with the concept of Creamy Ray Hendrix, (laughs) (laughs) which is a nod to (laughs) three of my favorite power trios being Cream, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, and Double Trouble. And uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, awesome. But so Creamy Ray Hendrix, we started putting the song <laughs> song list together. And, of course, there's a uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix quote, you know, not necessarily stoned, but beautiful. Okay. Now it's and clear. I got you. Uh, so, <laughs> nice. so it was like that's where that came from. And, and, you know, we were hanging out one night being stoned and beautiful. <laughs> and... Uh, we're like, hey, that's a cool name, and we were just, you know, it was just like, ha ha, let's let's, and that was the name of the going to be the name of the uh, the cover band, and then when Water Band ended, we just we were starting to pick up momentum um, as you know that band, and uh, so we just carried on with it and and took it a different direction. I I basically pushed Josh up front. You know, he he's a fantastic songwriter and singer, and. Uh, I wanted to have a vehicle where I wasn't like the main focus. I just wanted to play bass and jam uh, with my one of my uh, great friends and uh, great drummer John Smith. So we put that trio together, and then it's just kind of stuck. And here we are. I don't even know. It's like seven or eight years later. Yeah, awesome. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I used to go to the Sly Fox Jam Night a lot, and like right on. I think. When I first saw you play, he was there. Josh was there too. That's a possibility, yeah. And like I was like, that's you know, that's why the water band thing stuck in my mind because it was the two of you, and he was the new guy to the water band. And he was just shredding. And I was like, oh, my yeah. high, my high school brain couldn't take it. I was like, what am I? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. That's that's very. That I uh, actually yeah. That's probably where it was. That that makes wow. sense. Cool, man. So yeah, ah, geez, that's that's all coming back to me now. I'm kind of glad I'm resolving all this stuff. <laughs> ah, cool. So, uh, have you uh, checked out any of these virtual shows? Yes, um, I, I couldn't tune in last week. I was in the middle of a session, but I was I uh, caught the first one. The first and, one with uh, Gall and M. Moody and uh, yes, uh, I can't remember Doug Doug Douglas. Uh, was it Douglas? Yeah. Um, 
I think or maybe well, I thought it was the first one. It was with uh Oh, who was it? Now see I'm 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 confusing virtual <laughs> shows because I've been trying to tune into yeah. a lot of them. The stream um, scene, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's happening. No, it was super cool. Um <clears throat> I mean just you know, uh what a great venue yeah. considering the circumstances. And uh Michelle has done a fantastic job with this. Um, I think she's spearheading the program. She's been yeah. my contact for this specific show, but um, all those people that are that are working on this, um, there's a lot of movers and shakers in Cleveland, and I'm just happy to be part of the scene. And uh, you know, I I would like to be more involved in that actually. And it's funny because this year um, I had I had some personal changes happen. And it's, I had projected myself going and hitting like every jam night in Cleveland, um, going to check out some, uh, because I actually, I've been doing a lot of like happy hour gigs. So I was, I'm like, all right, after this gig and after this gig, I'm going to this club and this club and checking out this band and this band. And I had all these plans that I was like, Man, this is going to be great because I'm really going to jump back in and 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 uh, get into the scene and really see what's happening. Um, you know, on a physical standpoint. I mean, of course, I've been keeping my eyes, you know, on the interwebs for years, but um, like just to get out and hang with people and play. And uh, unfortunately, we've come to this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm hoping to do that once uh, once we get through this uh, craziness that we're all dealing with right now. That's awesome. Well, that's I mean you you're jumping in it, man. You've always been in it. <laughs> like yeah, I, I I guess I mean I have, but like like to get out there physically, like yeah, yeah. like you know I mean instead of because I've been out there playing gigs, but like I haven't been out like cavorting and hanging and jamming and that's what i was really really looking forward to um but again i I hope that that can happen for all of us very soon likewise and i think i think it's important i think you got to get out there and you got to play and you got to hang and you got to jam like that's all part of the thing like most a lot of people will remember the guy that came out to support their mic night you know and who's also playing at the uh the dog bar what's the dog bar um terrestrial brewery like I know, yeah. <laughs> me and you run that one a lot. Like I see. Oh, I love, I love that place, man. That place is rad. They're so cool. Um, and their beer is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, man, what was I was gonna say. Oh, but anyway, yeah, virtual shows, man. That is something. Like I did the second one, and like nice. I think because you're playing Friday, uh, eight yes. p.m. Uh, who yes. else is on the bill? It's the guy from. Um, I had his name this right is now. Zach Friedhoff from Akron and Jen Maurer from, she's Jen also Maurer. from Akron. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. From Momojo. Was it? A, and and many other different projects. Yeah, no, she's I'm, a, she's hit a lot of things up and she's ran a lot of things. Um, but when it's such a cool experience to be like, cause I've seen you do some pretty cool live streams. You did that jam turtle TV. Yeah. That was real cool. Oh, How nice. You, yeah. How'd that pan was, out? I had questions about because you were in his, your spot and that guy was in his spot. And somehow he was able to like crisscross you into the same stream. <laughs> yes. Well, I would I would implore you to check out Jam Turtle TV on Facebook, and uh, David Sullivan, um, who 
is, you know, doing that. Um, he's been doing a series called Jam Turtle for a few years where he was, uh, he had this Akron basement spot and uh, he would have, um, you know, acoustic type acts. It wasn't like, the, you know, anybody was plugged into, you know, a recording studio or, or specific direct line. It was like, whatever you sounded like in the room is basically what he captured, but it was super cool yeah. and, uh, organic and, and, uh, garagey, but, um, he had some touring, he's had a lot of different acts from Northeast Ohio and some touring acts come in, but he's, he's also a mover and a shaker in town. And if you need any video work, he's the guy to call. And, uh, also he's, he's trying to do this, um, this, the stream, you know, kind of variety show where he plays, uh, some of the material that he's pre-recorded and then interacts live with the guest and then the guest can play. Yeah. So I, th- I thought that was so cool. Like after yeah, that, I, I went and followed jam Turtle's page and was checking out what he did. But I thought just the idea of taking stuff that you've recorded and someone like him who's captured all these bands, I didn't know he did that. Uh, I didn't know that was like a kind of a bit he did where he recorded all these people coming through town, but yeah, um, but yeah, no, that was real cool. And like the sound he got from you being wherever you were, your place, and him being wherever he was was amazing. Yeah, there were there was a little technical glitch, and I, I wasn't real happy with the sound that came off of my end. But that was through Zoom, oh, okay. and uh, there was some. I mean, I think there's a little bit of compression issue with Zoom, and That's uh, a- so. It's, one thing that virtual shows have been working out is like a, if you run like a piano, there's so much frequency coming of, of sound. It like it compresses to nothing. Right. Right. But, uh, so we're all, we're all on this learning curve. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen uh, just like world famous musicians have the same technical issues as, as everybody else. You know, it's like, they don't. They're not sure if they're live yet. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. They, sometimes it sounds like you know garbage, and you know it's just like, and we're all we're all on this learning curve together. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. It puts everyone at the same spot <laughs> in some way. Then watch no, everyone I, like yeah. start over again, and it's exciting. It's exciting, and I think whatever's going to come out is going to be super creative, and uh, more people are just going to blossom out of the situation. Yeah, agreed. Well, actually, uh, I do a I'm doing a live stream, my own live stream every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Nice. Um, but tomorrow night I'm doing uh, I have a drummer friend of mine who actually emailed me a drum track oh, that sick. I'm going to play along with live in the studio. So it's uh, you know pre-recorded on his end, but it's uh, still kind of cool to present that interaction yeah. in a live setting. Was it? Well, you know what I'll do. I'll put this. Uh, I'll put this episode out Tuesday morning, so we can use it to push your stream and the and the virtual show. Oh, nice, cool. Well, I do it every Tuesday, so even if it's later, they'll they yeah. could uh, catch me on a following Tuesday. That's awesome. It's a good idea. It's a good idea to do it. Like I feel like so many people are doing it too. The limit it and having it in one spot. You know, when everyone's not kind of doing like a Tuesday night. Not too many people are fighting for that spot. <laughs> yeah, you know, or maybe Friday at eight PM is a little different, but exactly. But I, th- I guess it doesn't really matter, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, night's good. that was kind of my thinking, you know. It's like you know, hey, it's and Tuesday actually, um, you know, normally I'm I was in my rock school class on Tuesday gotcha. nights, but gotcha. uh, so that was totally open, no, you know, nothing else to do. And uh, I, as as you just mentioned, I think uh, 
a lot of people are like, what they don't know what day it is anyway. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, this has been awesome. You feel good about this? Oh, D- Dave, I, I really appreciate you doing this and taking the time to promote uh, the, the virtual Cleveland shows and and uh, just you you yourself being out there and moving it and shaking it, my friend. Well, thanks, man. This is fun. Like I've been having a lot of fun getting to talk to people I normally wouldn't get to hang out for for an hour with. You know what I mean? Like this has been really yeah. cool for me. And I've been excited to talk to you because we've ran the circle a lot. <laughs> so Totally, totally, man. Cool, cool, man. Well, Friday, 8 p.m., virtual shows, wherever you guys are at. And Tuesday, 7 o'clock, every Tuesday, wherever you guys are at on Facebook, you can catch Dreadlock Dave. All right, Dave, I'm going to sign it off. Thanks for hanging out, my friend. Dave, I appreciate it. Take care, brother. Peace and blessings, my friend. Peace. <laughs>